0: Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by McLean Deemer for Salt and Sacrifice, which is an action RPG side-scroller. It has a little bit of Metroidvania to it, a little Souls-like to it. If you're accustomed to McLean's music from Guild Wars and that franchise, this is definitely not that. This is grimy and dirty. It's not polished. And, of course, all of that's done on purpose. There are a lot more synth elements here and even though there's a lot of live cello, it's been manipulated pretty heavily by McLean. It's really great, and as always, I loved chatting with him about his music. By the way, you can pick up a copy of this soundtrack on Bandcamp, and I highly recommend you do that if you're able to support McLean. That's a, a good way to do it. If you want to support us, you visit Patreon. Patreon.com level is where you can become a patron of this podcast and help us directly. Join us on Discord if you want to talk about this or other episodes. The link is down in the show notes. It doesn't cost you to join. And of course, this conversation with McLean will end up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Reese. All right, here's McLean.
1: The game is called Salt and Sacrifice, as you mentioned, and um, it's from a studio, it's a little complicated, but it's from a studio called Devoured Studios, which is sort of a spiritual successor to a long-running one-man game studio called Ska Studios, which is run by uh, a friend of mine named James Silva. And the game itself, the title is reminiscent of their previous title, which was called um, Salt and Sanctuary, Mm -hmm. and it's not really a direct sequel it's like a spiritual successor similar sort of mood but uh it's actually set way far in the past of this sort of fictional timeline that this that the story takes place in um but yet but uh so devoured is now a two-man operation it's uh james silva and shane lynch um okay two seattle area game developers uh shane i only met working on this project but james i've known for maybe 10 or 12 years um He's one of those amazing sort of wunderkinds where he's like, he literally is a one-man operation where all of his games up until this game have been him doing uh, the art, the programming, the design, the writing, the sound design, and the music. Um, yeah. And and that's kind of been his whole vibe, and uh, I, I've I love it. Like he did, he kind of came out um, in the early days of Xbox Live Arcade and the and the if for the maybe people who know this sort of history of indie games, um, the XNA world, which was uh, a, a very accessible programming platform. I'm probably getting this completely wrong, but it was a programming <laughs> platform designed for people like James to make games and publish it on the okay. Xbox. And he had some success in the early days with uh, games like Charlie Murder and uh, Dishwasher, Dead Dishwasher, colon, Dead Samurai. Um <laughs> And, uh, it, you know, his whole vibe is sort of gothy, almost Tim Burton-ish, but hand-drawn, very sketchy, yeah. sort of flat and 2D. And I always describe it as, you know, the drawings that you made in the margins of your notebook as an angsty teenager, if those sort of came <laughs> to life. Uh, and he's polished it and refined it over the years, but I, but I think he would even agree that that's kind of his, his whole aesthetic. So, you know, obviously we both work in the game industry, uh, and he... Um, I knew he was working on this new game, and you know, I'm a composer, musician. Always want to be busy working, and part of that, a big part of that, is is based on relationships of who you know, right? But because James has always been this sort of his self contained thing, I never wanted to insert myself into it because I think that's another reason why he's had such a dedicated following. Is both you know the the visuals and even the music is the, that aesthetic is what people like about what he does. Mm-hmm. So, um. What happened, let's see, this would have been about this time last year. um, There was an announcement trailer for Assault and Sacrifice. And uh, I heard the music in the trailer and I thought, that's not James. uh, Because (laughs) his whole thing has always been kind of a punk rock, like DIY, you know, very, very lo fi, you know, aesthetic Mm -hmm. with the music as well as the visuals. Um, And this was not that. And I thought, okay. No slight against James, but he either got really, really good, um, you know, while while he was you know, just in terms of production value, not not necessarily the, the actual writing of the music. Yeah, he either got he either got really good in a very short amount of time while he was somehow spending all of his time making this game, or this is somebody else's music. So I I sent him a text. I said, Hey, congratulations on the announcement of the trailer. Uh, did you do the music? Like, what was that? And he said, No, it was. Um, it was uh, something that the, that the trailer house licensed, uh, and, and I said, "Well, if if you want that kind of thing, if you want that sound, which is sort of epic, pounding drums and sawing away on you know cellos and and that kind of stuff, I can do that. Don't yeah. want it. Don't. I don't want to push myself on you, but if you if that's what you want, let's talk about it. And James is one of those guys that's he's so hyper focused on his work." that I think it, it wasn't it wasn't like he shuts people out and say no oh, I must do this it's just he doesn't think about it so he goes oh yeah that would be great actually <laughs> <laughs> this is very matter of fact like it had never it, it had never crossed his mind that this was an option after after knowing him for you know a decade uh yeah. or more so um so that was how that started and and you know it was great because I because I love what James does. So that was the sort of backstory of how I got involved. But the game itself, yeah. if you just look at any of the trailers, you can kind of see what he's going for, mm-hmm. um, which is that dark fantasy, very oppressive, very grimy and claustrophobic. And from a musical perspective, I thought I could take what he's already established, on, you know, with Salt and uh, Sanctuary and his previous games, and just kind of elevate it a little bit more, refine it a little bit more, Um and then also exercise some muscles that I haven't had a chance to do yet. So uh, it, it's been really, really fun to work on.
0: What muscles? What muscles were you exercising that you hadn't for a while?
1: Uh, well, getting to play guitar—that was a big one. Um, I, I am a guitar player, uh, yeah. you know, by nature. I would say um, it's definitely the th- the thing that I'm the best at when it comes to what instruments can you play. I can I can play a lot of other instruments. Okay sure. to to bad or you know <laughs> do enough takes that I can cobble something together. but uh, but I'm a guitar player and you know, most of my career in games has been doing these beautiful, big, lush orchestral scores, which I love doing and is another facet of, of who I am as a, as a musician and a composer. But it, it always, it still feels like work, you know? Uh, yeah. it, and maybe maybe it does for everybody else too, that, that you know, violinists or pianists or people who've gone through a conservatory program or something. But when I have a guitar in my hands, things just come out naturally because it, I've been doing it for whatever, three quarters of my life now, which is crazy to think about. And so, uh, you know, James is also a guitar player, again, more in that sort of punk rock DIY kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, but it's a big part, it's a key component of his sound. And so... I knew that it, this this soundtrack was going to have uh, a, a fair amount of that. And that was really, really fun to just kind of, you know, dust off my hands and rebuild <laughs> my calluses and, and you know, think, oh, you know, I am pretty good at this. This <laughs> slightly less work than, than doing some of the other stuff. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, use more synthesizers, more nasty sounds, right? Like distortion. Yeah. Um, most people I would say would know me for my work on Guild Wars because that's been the bulk of my work. And, and that's all about being pretty and beautiful and, and grand. And there's moments where it has to get aggressive, but it never veers into the similar territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's also, again, side of me, I love pretty stuff. I love melodies and I, I love all that stuff, but, um, sometimes you just want to get dirty. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and this, this allowed me to do that, um, on every track it is, it, you know, they, they wanted it to be messed up sounding and claustrophobic and like dark and grimy. It was just, that was the two words we kept, we constantly were throwing around. Uh, And, and I, I thought in terms of kind of trying to stretch my brain creatively, trying to figure out new ways to work, I thought, well, let's just do things wrong. You know, writing for an orchestra, there's room to play around, but all the problems have sort of been solved. And it's more about, because it's all in a perfect world, if you have the budget and time to do this, it's all happening with real people in a room and there's certain physical properties of acoustics and the instruments themselves that you just kind of have to do things a certain way in order for it to all resonate and, and give you that sound that you want. But if you're working strictly on a production, you know, as they say, in the box, like in the computer with electronics and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. you can still do things the right way, which is the way traditional recording has been done since, you know, whatever the fifties or sixties, um, or you can do things wrong, and that's way more fun, uh, you know. And say, what if I did things like put distortion after reverb? It's like you would never do that. You're not you're not supposed okay. to do that, right? Because it's it's just it's going to make things ugly and bad sounding. Well, that's what I want, you know. Or what if you turn the input on something up way too loud so that it distorts digitally, which is bad. But that's what I want, you know. So all that kind of stuff it was really really fun to, to play around. With.
0: I mean, and there's also there is lovely stuff, right? I mean, the the main theme is a great example of that because of the beautiful cello writing. So, so talk to me then about you know writing something like that and then getting to kind of mess with it.
1: Yeah, that one. Um, so, I, I played as much as I could on this on the score, but I knew that it would need some strings, and there wasn't uh, uh there wasn't there wasn't a budget to do a big string section thing, so rather than compromise and do it with samples, which there are some samples in there, but not a ton mm-hmm. uh, for strings specifically, um, you know, just putting a cello soloist on this stuff is, it will elevate it from good to great, you know, provided the writing is good, but it's just, yeah, it immediately pulls your focus into the, the beautiful artistry of whoever's playing and the beautiful sound of that instrument. And I'd, I'd worked with a cellist named Ro Rowan, Uh, a couple of times, just here and there on one or two tracks, on some Guild Wars stuff, on some personal stuff. Um, And they're incredible. And I knew that they had an amazing sensitivity, but I also knew that they loved getting weird and dark and experimental and not afraid of, you know, putting uh, things like distortion and delay on an acoustic cello. Things you're just, again, you're not supposed to do that, but I knew that they would be game for that. So um, for that main title theme, that was one of those ones where I just kind of wrote something, not intending it to be a theme for the game. And I played it for Shane and uh, James, and they said, "They said, oh, I'm gonna. Th- this sounds good. I'm gonna throw this in in the in the, in the menu." Um, and the second they did that, they were like, "Oh yeah, this is great. This is it." And I said, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess this is the main theme of the game now." And I guess. <laughs> We're gonna hear that melody in a couple other spots. Yeah. Uh, not my intent, but that's sometimes that's the way things work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. You know, it, it's very. It, you know, it's in terms of the harmonics structure of it. It's very simple. It's really just kind of a, over a single drone, and then I think the bass changes one or two times. Very very simple, but it's all about the tension of of the that melody against you know those kind of steady bass lines, which is something I love. I, I I've often joked around uh, joked around about this where. No, I'm never going to impress all my composer friends with my harmonic agility, you know, and my <laughs> ways that I modulate from A to B to C. I'm just, you know, I love John Williams for that. And I love Jerry Goldsmith. And I love all those titans of that kind of stuff. But that's just not, it doesn't come out of me naturally. Mm-hmm. This is a tangent. Uh, but I never get a chance to talk about this. But the two of my favorite, and I I, I attribute this to two of my sort of formative influences as, as a kid, and you're going to think this is silly how it relates to orchestral music or what I'm doing now. But as a kid, I loved Van Halen and I loved the Alan Parsons project deeply. And I still love both of them. Yeah. And uh, Van Halen is a little, you know, cooler to talk about in mixed company these days. Whereas Alan Parsons, unfortunately he's been, because of that Austin Powers joke, he's been reduced to a punchline <laughs> that people love to think they're the first person to, to reference that joke when you bring him up. But you know, the guy, if you, if you look the guy up, he's, he's, you know, He's a genius. He's been involved in so many um colossal, important records in the kind of pop and rock world for the last 50 years. Love the guy. And um yeah. and the Alan Parsons project, you know, besides being the intro music for the Chicago Bulls and yep. a punchline in an Austin Powers movie, uh, th- those those records, those first like six records, I love. And so both what both of those groups do is they just sort of Lay down a bass note, a pedal tone, and move against it. And that was something as a kid I recognized, like, wow, this is so cool. Like it can just, you can put any chord against just a single bass note and the and like what can happen? This sort of the mystery that that evolves from doing that. I've always loved that. And it and it wasn't until you know semi-recently that I sort of put two and two together and realized, oh, I do that a lot. Because (sighs) not because it's easy and a cheat, but it's just because that's what kind of stirs me musically. So this soundtrack has a lot of that where it's just kind of droney or, or very, very minimal bass movement with stuff mm-hmm. pushing and pulling against it. Uh, and so long answer, which I'm <laughs> very good at giving. Uh, Love it. But yeah, that main, that main theme, it, it relies so much on that. Um, but then it's elevated so much by Rose's performance because they get it. When I said, this is dark, you know, it's supposed to be heavy and yeah. melancholy. It's pretty, but it's not... Light and pretty. It's right. heavy and pretty. Yes. Yeah. And we, and we, as a joke, we started signing off on our emails to each other instead of saying, "Bet all the best" or "Sincerely," we would we would say, "Darkly," you know, <laughs> McLean, uh, yeah. and, and that was our little kind of inside joke as we were, uh, yeah. you know, communicating back and forth on this one.
0: One of my personal favorite tracks is "All Mages Must Die," mm, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I absolutely love that track. So, uh, it, yeah, d- tell me about it. I'll stop talking. Go tell me sure. about that track. Yeah.
1: So this was, uh, I think this was the second track that I wrote because so much oh, of wow. the game, the the game is, the game is is kind of a 2D Souls-like game. They might the guys might. Wince at that description, because Salt and Sanctuary was was definitely a Dark Souls-esque game in two dimensions. Mm-hmm. This one still retains elements of that, and also has some Monster Hunter elements to it in terms of yep. track, tracking down these huge bosses. And every fight is difficult and takes a long time, and, and it's trial and error kind of thing. Uh, but it's it's more about hunting around in the in the world than it is about progressing through a linear level it's just very difficult. So I knew that it was going to need a decent chunk of combat music. Um not something that I uh, this I've been on the record as saying many many times that I just I'm not very good at writing it and therefore I don't like writing it. Yeah. But this one because the parameters were not just strictly orchestra, uh, I could you know, use other things that, that make it a little easier to keep the tension up and, and keep the energy moving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this one has guitar, um, and it has a uh, bass in it and some drums. I mean, there's like epic drums and there's some toms and stuff in there. It's not like a rock song, but it sort of skews in that direction, like a cinematic, almost like maybe, um, Ramin Djawadi or something like that, you know, just sort of that yeah. kind of vibe where it's like a hybrid. Um, but yeah, this this does, this has one of my favorite things. This is like, it, it, you know, when I'm dead and gone, if somebody does some kind of musical forensics on all of my work, they're going to find <laughs> out that one thing I absolutely love is the tension. Another thing that I love is the tension of the flat seven against the root, right? So like, um, hopefully people listening To this understand what i mean by that yeah but i love when you sort of reach for that and instead of going resolving up that half that whole step up to the tonic you go back down it's Mm -hmm. just there's something about that pull that i I love and i've put it all over the place and let me say this again that it's uh what i didn't put two and two together until kind of recently uh one of the things i think that planted that seed in my brain um was another of my favorite teenage bands, Led Zeppelin, on uh on gosh, what it's on Houses of the Holy. I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal a secret here. Okay, let's um, hear it. Houses of the Holy, what is the song called? There's a song called No, it's not Houses of the Holy. It's on the double album. What is that one called? Ooh, physical Physical gra- Physical Graffiti. Physical Graffiti. Okay. So there's a song called In the Light. And the main riff is is such an when it finally gets into it, it's like one of these eight minute songs. It's it's so long, but when it finally gets when it finally gets into the riff, the main sort of groove. There's this overdub that he does. I don't want to sing it because I'll, I'll butcher it, but I encourage your listeners to go out and, and check it out. But it's got this slow sort of shuffle that it does that feels really great. And then every time it sort of loops around, there's just this overdub of him playing that flat seven against this E minor riff. Hey. And it just hangs there and just like causes so much tension and I'm like oh my god I love that so much and I put that in I've put that in a lot of stuff and I will continue to put it in a lot of stuff because <laughs> it just works so well for me. It's one of my favorite yeah. intervals. My other favorite interval being the major second, which I also oh. like to put in things, Okay. Um, okay. but usually stacked against the top. I love that tension against the tonic oh, yeah. of the major second. Love it. Yeah. So minor seventh major seconds, keen eared listeners should go. Well, It's funny uh, that the they're that.
0: inversions of each other. Are they not?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, just sort of that little Flip of them yeah. it is it, it creates such a different feeling, and mm-hmm. depending it you know on what their uh you know the the tonality surrounding it. I don't know. I just I love yeah. playing with simple ideas. Like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not flashy in my writing. I Never have been, but I I like simp- I like seeing you know one or two simple ideas how far you can kind of stretch them. Yeah. Um. So this track, All Mages Must Die, uh, has has that in it. Uh. With the ch- these sort of swells of the cello, right where it goes. Yeah. Like, yeah, you yep. no, right. It's yep. that's it right there. That's the major seven or minor seventh going down to the tonic, and that that was um, some cello stuff. And it's got crazy delays. This is like uh, this was a it was a bad idea. I've learned a lot working on this project from a production standpoint that organizing your tracks uh, makes your life a lot simpler when you have to bounce everything out to send it to somebody to, to mix, but yes. there's so many effects going on. And the, and it's like what, the first swell comes out of the left side and then the, the delay comes out of the right side and then the, the answer comes out of the right side. And then the delay comes out of the left side. Wow. And my, my, my track for that is such a mess. It's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> the way I, the way I set it up. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I wanted it to feel disorienting. I wanted it to constantly kind of grow and feel like it was just weighing mm-hmm. you down. That was, that was what we constantly kept talking about with, regards to the combat music is it just has to feel relentless like it's never gonna let up and even though it loops you know it still has there's a little moments of release of tension but it kind of just has to feel like a constant ramp upward until the fight's over
0: Did you feel, McLean, like you were familiar enough with the game to, you know, or the style to really not need them to send art or anything? Or or what kind of were you working off of since it sounds like you knew exactly what the game was more or less going to look like?
1: Yeah, they sent me they sent me art and screen captures and stuff, but a lot of it was done in isolation. Um, I think we all learned a lot working on this uh, because... First of all, I'm terrible at this kind of game, these like punishing souls type games. I'm just I'm just so bad as as a player. Yeah. 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 And and I had builds of the game that I could play and I played it with them a few times, uh, but with dev commands on. So we're just cheating and (laughs) slashing our way through it. And so if left to my own devices, you know, I I'm just I'm just not good at it and and I don't have time to get good at it. I have to kind of understand it from a a high Mm -hmm. level. So you know we have a Discord chat that we would they were constantly talking every day, um, and they would send me video captures and some uh, notes about the tone, overall tone of the game. The story itself, I think James would even admit this, is like obtuse <laughs> and confusing. So <laughs> um, like yeah, exactly. So I'm it wasn't kidding. so much about nailing nailing specific story beats in terms of characters and light motifs and the themes and that kind of stuff that, you, that we're usually dealing with. Mm-hmm. It was more just about the feeling and it was really just that one feeling of heaviness and yeah. griminess. But yeah, from a sort of production standpoint, you know, James has historically just done everything himself. So now he's Amazing. got a, a partner on this and they're constantly talking over Discord and trying to work out what they do. Um, and then, but you know, James has never managed an and outside uh oh I should say there was a, a a fourth person involved in this which was Alex Kane who came in and kind of polished up some of the narrative um some a co-worker of mine colleague from ArenaNet on Guild Wars um okay. and a part of the Seattle game development community he's the one that named the tracks which is why I get confused sometimes because I think of them as like you know combat underscore mage oh one you know <laughs> yeah. very very yeah. boring um <laughs> But uh, so, so so they're managing, you know, Alex and trying to, and he was kind of doing his own thing and just kind of sprucing up the words. And then I'm over here doing the music and I'm sort of self-producing, not from a musical standpoint, but from like a, a work standpoint, like managing my deliveries, managing the scope of it all. And and we're all kind of laying the tracks before the train. So it, it did get a little chaotic at certain points. And the final sprint to the end of, the, uh, of finishing it, I, I did, I would say about half the soundtrack in, in about two weeks. Um, because I, I, I'd, I'd gotten really far behind working on Guild Wars stuff, which had become such a behemoth to manage, um, and came out only a few months before this was going to be out on the, you know, in, in, uh, whatever digital stores. And, uh, and I thought, oh, man, you know, I'm so far behind, they haven't called me on it yet, but okay, now I'm done with Guild Wars. I've got to get this done because the game is coming out in May. Like it's coming out on May 10th no excuses yeah. so I have you know a lot of music left to write uh and I and I had to get down to it so it you know wow. the the back half of the soundtrack was just kind of like we all agree that the first half is what's working great we need this many more combat tracks this many more ambient tracks like just do it you know um yeah. and and it, I some of it's one of those things where I listen back to some of those tracks and I'm like okay I don't really remember writing this but this is pretty good it's actually uh you know it's not bad <laughs> It all happened in a a fugue state.
0: I can't imagine how mentally taxing that must be to write that much music in such a short amount of time. No wonder it's a blur.
1: Yeah, but, you know, fortunately, the scope of it is not really like Guild Wars. It's not every note has to be perfect on the page or, you know, I have to sort of write out a sketch and rely on an orchestrator to expand it and manage that process. It was just kind of find a couple cool and weird sounds to build around, Mm -hmm. um, which is pretty much how every track, even the combat one, started just find something that hooks me yep. that will hook listeners yeah. and then you know do what you know how to do until it feels done sometimes yeah. there's really no mystery or divine inspiration to it it's just kind of like <laughs> finger paint until something starts to emerge and then refine it a little bit and say okay i think it's done you know yep yeah
0: and and you know it is interesting to hear like the ambi tracks and the um because when i listen to your guild wars music i'm i'm really do maybe to a fault, kind of focus on the melodic, bombastic epic. Bombastic mm-hmm. in a good way, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just part of the style. And so to like hear these chill ambi tracks, I'm like, oh, yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that stuff. I, I like, yeah. you know, with this, with this game, it, it allowed me to stretch a little bit more on some stuff that I had done a, a little bit on the last Guild Wars expansion, uh, End mm-hmm. of Dragons, which was, you know, the, we dipped our toes... A little further into electronics elements and um, experimenting with some modern kind of plugins and production techniques and stuff within the fantasy realm, that was a good primer for this. And and one thing I love doing is is letting those effects, reverbs and delays and distortions and things, not just act as a little frosting for for the for a track, but but be such a key element that if you took them off, it would change the entire nature of the track. So, you know, making space for, for them to be heard clearly enough that that's what pulls you in. So, you you know, for instance, over the end, there's two endings to the game. So there's two tracks uh, that are very similar. Um, mm-hmm. One's called Take Your Place and the other one's called Make Your Climb. And it's kind of the good and the bad ending or okay. vice versa. Take, uh, Take Your Place is the bad ending. Okay. Make the Climb is the, is the good ending. Okay. Uh, uh, but they, if you listen to them, they they kind of sound similar, except one is kind of more mangled than the other one and you know it was about like so there's a that cello theme comes back for those two pieces It's two separate performances. One of them is purposely more aggressive. is more interesting harmonics and overtones in the delays and things and that becomes such a key element of the sound that it's like it pulls you in and and, and you have to sort of make sonic room for that so the, so yeah. there's less happening underneath it to get out of the way uh or like uh there's another track called I'm going to butcher this pronunciation it's called Bol Garan Oh yeah um,
0: yep yeah
1: and that one is is guitar I, that one actually mm-hmm. is one of those ones where that was that was a quick. That was written in the two week period. Okay, and pretty much written in. I would say in real time. Uh, wow. So so I just picked up a guitar, a nylon string guitar. Started playing it for maybe ten, fifteen minutes until something, a shape of something came out. But it was the the sort of opening noodles of it were very much, you know, they inst- came out instantaneously. Then it was just wow. about refining it and giving it kind of a shape, mm-hmm. and then the recording. I pretty much hit record and did it in one take. I think, I think I butchered a couple of the last couple phrases, and so just let it continue to run, replayed them, and then snipped it out and pulled that phrase backward. Yeah. But the first two thirds of it is pretty much just the first take after hitting wow. record. When I sent it to them, you know, it's cool. It's got a cool vibe, and it's just yep. sort of droney pads and stuff underneath it. But I sent it to them, and they were like, "Yeah, this is—it's too pretty." You know, uh, just just hearing a well sort of mic'd up and played nylon string, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like uh, a Western or uh, The Last <laughs> of Us or something. You know what I mean? It's just sort of—it's too, yeah, it's yeah. too yeah. nice. So, so they're like, "Can you can you muck it up?" And I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't know if distortion is is really what we want here. So, what can I do?" And it has this sort of warble to it, right? Like tape warble and that kind of stuff has come back into fashion as the kids these days forget that, you know, we used to get mad that when our records and tapes would get warped and we'd throw them right. out and buy a new copy. So they're like, wait, we like to, we like when things are warbly. So, so there's all sorts <laughs> of plugins that emulate it. And, and I just, I thought it wasn't, that wasn't quite what I wanted because I didn't want it to have that sort of slow watery drift. I wanted it to yeah. feel even edgier, so I ended up what what I ended up doing was throwing um autotune on it. And like autotune <laughs> is meant, you know, for single lines uh to sort of grab it and pull it into the range of the pitch that you're familiar with. Yeah. But when you throw complex musical information at it, it goes crazy. It doesn't know what to do. It's like <laughs> I, I, you know I, so so that kind of weird janky hard warble that it does uh, is is this plugin you know with a couple tweaks on t- to find the right parameters to set it to. It just kind of warps it in a way that I hadn't heard before because why would you put auto-tune on an acoustic guitar? It's like right? stu- stupid. Uh, but it's such a key sound. I thought, man, I was like, that was so easy. Uh, I've done similar things with, you know, chains of like five plugins or whatever. Sure. Uh, but here it is, just throw auto-tune, uh, like make sure I save this setting so I can use it in the future. Uh, and and it just, and as soon as I sent that version back to them, they're like, oh my God, this sounds, this is great. And And there we go. <laughs>
0: Because of all the plugins that you have at your fingertips, which must be hundreds. I mean, I can't even imagine how many yeah, various it's, it's, plugins you have. Like, t- what t- made you decide, I wonder what would happen if I throw auto tune on this?
1: I think earlier in this project, uh, I had done something similar on a synth pad or drone sound. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I knew it kind of worked for that. But with a drone, you know, even if it's complex information harm, harmonics and things like that it's it's still just one note the whole time so it's a little easier for it to mm-hmm. for the software to find that note and grab it and pull it down to what it thinks is in tune yep and I, it was just if i if i hadn't done that first i don't know if i would have put it on the guitar but okay. it was just kind of fresh in my mind and i thought let's just try it yeah. and if it doesn't work we'll try something else uh, but it worked it sure did. Oh,
0: that's fabulous. I love that. Oh, that makes me uh, think more positively about autotune in general.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. After whatever, um, after 25 years, let's figure out some new uses for it. You exactly.
0: Know? <laughs> let's use it exactly for what it's not supposed to be used for, yeah. and then, then we'll like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, there's a track called um and uh, blade of the inquisition it's one of the first combat tracks i think that's on the album Mm -hmm. it's like the third track or something like Mm -hmm. that and that one is great because i get it stuck in my head when i'm doing stuff and i'll just be like jamming along in my and i'll be like oh my god that's that mclean track from (laughs) oh nice (laughs) sacrifice so um so yeah, I, I I got a big kick out of that one. I was I was at a car dealership yesterday with a friend who was looking at cars and uh, just like going through the rows of cars with that in my head, just made the whole experience really humorous and fun. So yeah, You're so like, thank I'm not going to let this track.
1: I'm not going to let this salesman take advantage of me. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hype you up. Uh, yeah, that's, I loved so, that track. Thank you. That track was the first track that I wrote for the game. Um, just oh, to, okay. Just to throw something. Uh, I, I should say the first track that was accepted. There was there, we only threw out one track, that was that was a little more kind of rock ish that had like an actual drum kit on it. Oh, okay. And it, it's a cool. I, I'd forgotten about it completely, and then I I was kind of doing some archiving recently and heard it, and I was like, what is this? And I thought, Oh, this is cool. So I'm gonna bookmark that and come back to that maybe someday. We'll see. Yeah. I, I hate th- I hate throwing out good ideas. Um, right. But that track that was the first one where they said, okay, you got it right. And again, it has cello but it has delay on it um and then the um there's a sort of distorted lead line that comes in that plays whatever the melody is that's also a cello with a lot of distortion on it And then you know feedback and noise and reverse swells and things like that. Uh, you know, just every, again, just doing, just making everything a mess. Like when you're again with sort of painting metaphors, when you're when you're when you're finger painting and you just end up putting too many colors in it, and it all just turns to like a dark brown mush. <laughs> that's kind of what the score is like. Uh, but you'll you'll appreciate this, I think, about that track. I was thinking about this this morning when I was kind of revisiting some of them. That's another one where I think subconsciously one of my one of my favorite pieces of music came out. It's not identical, but maybe people can see the relationship to it. One of my favorite um, pieces of video game music from when I was growing up uh, is uh, I didn't have any any consoles that you could attach to your TV as a kid. My 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 parents refused to let me have that, but they did relent yeah. eventually and got me a Game Boy, one of the original Game Boys. And this is the '90s, sort of uh, the revival of Star Wars in the pop culture uh landscape. So, um I was a huge Star Wars fan. This is not unique to anybody, but but there you know, my age sort of group, there was a t- there was a sort of wasteland and then in the mid 90s yeah. it started to come back in the run up to the special editions, the prequel. So I fully got caught up in that. And I used to play religiously the Star Wars game for the Game Boy which was just a port of the NES Star Wars game which is not very good so I remember uh, in you know there was the super Star Wars and Super Empire Strikes Back and Super Return of the Jedi which were side-scrolling um, SNES games and those are great those are awesome games and great translations of the movie into game form the original NES Star Wars is is pretty janky but uh, back then it, you just kind of didn't know any better so you, you you know you i've had this realization now where it's like you play these old games you're like oh this wasn't just hard it, it's bad game design but i didn't know that back then and there yeah. was no other choice so you just kind of power through it and then you beat it mm-hmm. you know uh, and it feels like it takes you a week to do and now you play it again and you all the muscle memory is still there it takes you like 30 minutes to, right. to play through these games if you're lucky yeah. so Anyway the the in the opening stages of that game you're you're riding around Luke's uh, land speeder on Tatooine and all these missions take uh, you sort of stop at a series of these caves that you have to kind of do some platforming in And the cave music for in that game yeah. ha- is so cool and it's such a simple 30 40 second loop but there is this baseline thing that happens that I just remember loving as a kid. Loved it. And and the the cello part, the like dum dum, do 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 dum dum. (music) To me, it's basically just the the high production value version of the cave music. Um, and, again, most people might not hear it, but I hear it. So it's it's one of those funny moments where I'm like, oh, speaking of things getting stuck in your brain, it's been lodged there for 30 years. <laughs> and then I finally got a chance to uh, to put it out there in my own work.
0: Love it. Yeah, it's really fun, mischievous, like, again, like, grimy, like, you're doing something maybe you shouldn't be doing, but you have mm-hmm. to do kind of track. Yeah, no, I, I got a big kick out of that. Um, and there's vocals in here, too, that these samples of, of voices that you used are...
1: Yeah, just yeah. uh it, you know there's there's some choir um mm-hmm. but it's just it's just samples. Uh, I would love I've only had a chance to work with a live choir once. Um oh. I would love to do it more. I've I've worked with some vocal soloists recently, but this one was, you know, it's you can't replicate it's too much work to get a single soloist to overdub enough to sound like a real choir and then it still doesn't quite sure. sound like it. So in yeah. that case the samples are, are better, um, but yeah. I did some mangling to them too uh, on uh, on the the bad ending track on uh, Take Your Place. same choir part as in make the climb which is more ethereal and beautiful because you're like ascending to join Mm -hmm. these kind of old gods up in the sky on the take your place you get like strapped to a tree and you die um (laughs) very unpleasant wow uh so so it's got all sorts of pitch shifts and formant changers on it to just kind of make it weird and and unsettling sounding um yeah yeah, there's no there wasn't too much done to that uh a lot of work to try to make it feel as realistic as possible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, they, they sound fine, you know, I mean, with, with stuff, samples like that, right. I think it's, you know, if it's in the forefront, you might notice, but if it's yeah. just a supporting character, uh, like it seems like the choir was kind of used in that support role. And in, yeah, in yeah, background, exactly. You, you can't, I mean, you can't, you really can't tell. I don't think, I mean, I yeah. can't tell. I just assumed Great. it was just cause I know the cost of an yeah. actual choir so it's like you know yeah it's a it next time on, on
1: on salt and you know whatever salt and <laughs> salt savory whatever whatever S- yeah savory. salt <laughs> whatever the whatever the next one is i'll uh. ask james for i'll ask james for more money we'll, we'll do a real choir
0: it's it's a fun it's a fun uh soundtrack. I have another track written down and I didn't make a note as to why, which is frustrating hmm. to me, but I really I know that I liked Elder Cops and I'm not sure why, but Oh um, yeah. But I and I think it had to do with some of the extra um kind of extraneous sounds that were floating about in in there. I really liked the vibe of it too.
1: Yeah, yeah. That one that one was the I believe that was the final track I wrote for the game. Oh, I had wow. to do one more. And there's actually a video of this on my Instagram page. I think I think I, I put one up there. So one of the things I noticed early on that uh, just listening to reference music that James liked and 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 talking about what he wanted, he really likes um, jangly stuff. Like he he specifically okay. pointed that out. So there's quite a <laughs> bit of that in different forms on on the soundtrack. There's there's the heavy, grimy, distorted stuff, but you'll notice there's sparkly and jangly things, and it's a challenge to not make them sound like magical, you know, sort right. of like uh, chimes or whatever. Um, but I had a couple things lying around, you know, like any of us that do this for a living, I've got drawers and drawers full of weird ju- junk and toys that just kind of accumulate. <laughs> yeah. So I pulled out anything that made any sort of jangle and, and I had used them all kind of, you know, across the whole thing, different bells and singing bowls and, mm. uh, you know, Tibetan chimes and and... Uh, water there's a lot of water phone on the set on the score oh, um, nice. there's this kind of owl hooting sound that appears in certain spots if you listen for it mm-hmm. and it just there was something that happened with this water phone where and i think it's in that track the elder cops track but i just had it at the right angle and i i bowed the right tine at the in the right spot where it hit some overtones where it didn't sound like the kind of 70s horror you know water phone that you're used to yeah it just it sounds like an owl hooting and i i as it happened i remember tensing up and being like don't move like just barely <laughs> kind of rotate the things so that you don't lose whatever's happening here because i don't know if i can recreate it and i can't you know i've 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 even chopped that piece up and used it in other stuff because i'm like this is such a great sound and i don't wow. know if i will ever be able to get it again Track, I, th- I was like, I need one more. J- I need some jangles that I haven't used before. And uh, I thought about this for a long time and I hadn't ever actually used them. But um, a long time ago, before I met her, my wife had, she's a very social person. I think she was trying to make new friends or just try out new hobbies. She had taken some belly dancing classes <laughs> and she had her belly dancing costume, which was sort of a sash and a scarf kind of thing Yeah, that she keeps in her like, Halloween costume box under the bed, <laughs> and I said, "Hey, can you can you dig that out for me? Um, because it has it's it's cheap junk. It's like a ten dollar thing on Amazon. Like it's not fancy at all. But mm-hmm. whatever the metal it, that the that the jangles on it are, it makes such a an awesome and specific, very high pitched jangle sound mm. that almost sounds like coins falling. I don't know. It just it it doesn't sound mm. like bells or other sort of chimes that you might get. So Yeah, there's a video on my Instagram page of me holding up this blue belly dancing scarf and just sort of gently rotating it in front of the mic, and and the majority of that track is just that. And at that point, I knew I was like, James is gonna love this, (laughs) (laughs) and he did. it's pretty lo-fi i mean it's it's definitely the cheapest instrument if you want to call it that on the entire soundtrack it's like (laughs) lo-fi lo-fi just you know this we're continuing that lo-fi aesthetic
0: what else are you working on right now that you can talk about
1: yeah at the moment um it's nice to be actually be able to talk about a future project usually We never can, right? Um, I'm I'm working on a game called Firmament, which is uh, from the studio Cyan Worlds or Cyan Incorporated. I'm not. I think it's maybe Cyan Incorporated these days, but Cyan for veteran gamers uh, are the creators of Mist and Riven Mm -hmm. um, and associated sequels and spinoffs from that, as well as Abduction, which came out maybe uh, almost a decade ago at this point. Uh, But yeah, that game. Myst specifically is like a Mount Rushmore game for me. I'm sort of that perfect age in the 90s, you know, when my parents brought home their laptop. They finally, you know, had a a computer they could bring home and had a CD-ROM drive, and everybody's talking about CD-ROM, this and that. And, um, you know if you had a cd rom drive you like what what can i put in this well like the encarta encyclopedia or something like that was a big <laughs> one and then uh and then missed, it was just kind of you know it was it was the first or second thing you got to see what cd roms were all about mm-hmm. and so i was no exception and and i remember playing that game and uh and thinking or maybe i didn't realize this until later but what i felt at the time was Oh, I'm I'm feeling complex emotions, not just the adrenaline rush of beating a boss or getting to the end of a level. Yeah. I'm feeling like mystery and melancholy and like you know, kind of uh, uncertainty and and feeling a little unsettled, walking yeah. around this island trying to solve these puzzles. And I've always loved that game. I've I've bought it and rebought it so many times, um, <laughs> both the original and the remakes, and now the VR version that came out for the Quest a couple of years ago, which I think is. The perfect version of the game it's just it's meant to be in vr yeah so um yeah so they i thought uh i actually thought the studio had gone away uh because i hadn't heard anything from them for a long time and then they did the abduction kickstarter about a decade ago and i thought oh that's cool they the the original guys you know bought the rights to the studio back and, and have resuscitated but what i learned since then is that they didn't ever go away which is mm. kind of miraculous. Um, wow. they, they had some tough times, but they've come back and now they're just sort of a, a true indie studio um, with some amazing people that are still from the mist and riven days, uh, mm-hmm. you know, involved in their new project firmament um, and some new people that are like me that grew up on it and have such a deep love for it. So it's it's not in that world. It's not a sequel to either of those games. But if you know the types of games that cyan makes, it's that type of game. It's it's an atmospheric puzzle game. But, you know, with. Uh, modern sort of production value and, and it looks gorgeous. Um, nice. The puzzles are challenging and fun and I'm having so much fun writing music for it. It's like, it's truly a dream project for me. Uh, wow. You know, working mm-hmm. on this, it, it just feels like it's closing a loop or coming full circle on on something so important to me and fundamental uh, uh, just as an individual, let alone a musician or a creative person. So That'll be out sometime soon. Uh, you know, I can't say when, but um, I'm actively working on it. I'm probably in the home stretch, and nice. and it feels like it feels like a logical progression from the ele- electronicy elements of Guild Wars Two End of Dragons to mm-hmm. Salt and Sacrifice to this. It feels of a piece, and and to me, it feels like it feels like the most me right now, um, where I'm getting to. I'm sort of firing on all cylinders. You know, I'm I'm applying everything I've learned on all these other soundtracks, getting to try out ideas that I've had in my head for years, literally for years. Finally, wow. getting to sort of put them out there and put them to use, and it's cool. It, it, I think people are really going to enjoy it. Good. Well, I cannot wait for
0: that to come out. And uh, yeah, and we'll we'll talk. We'll have to, to talk, talk about again. that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I'll try not to miss that release. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean super fun to hear this soundtrack just as a contrast to to everything I knew before. And, um, you know, what else do you want to say about Salt and Sacrifice? Uh,
1: well, you can pick it up uh, on the PlayStation 4 and 5 um, and also the Epic Game Store on PC. And uh, yeah, if you like dark fantasy or if you like Souls-like games or Monster Hunter, uh, Metroidvania like to a
0: little Metroid-y. a little of. Metroidvania, mm-hmm.
1: yep. And if you, and if you like a challenge, uh, yeah. then then this is the game for you. And and it's, I think it's really cool. I don't think there's anybody else quite making games that look and feel like this. I mean, it, yeah. again, it, it it wears its influences on its sleeve, but it, there's nothing else that really looks and feels like this out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, sounds like this. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think it's really great. So you know, if if that appeals to your any of your listeners, then I I recommend. Picking it up,
0: as well as picking up the soundtrack, which can definitely be purchased on Bandcamp and maybe elsewhere.
1: Yes, it's on all major streaming platforms, including title uh, at uh, the master, or highest resolution possible. If you have that tier of subscription, nice. Um, or if you want to support me directly, this is an interesting sort of new wrinkle in my own career of, as an independent artist. I set up a Bandcamp page for it, so it's McLeanDemer.dot.bandcamp.com. Um, And you can find links to that on my social media pages uh, or just Google. I have the easiest Googleable name in the world because there's (laughs) if there's another McLean Deemer out there, I'd love to meet him or her. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, if if you kind of just do a quick search for it, you'll be able to find it and you can pick it up for what I think is a fair price. And and that Mm -hmm. will go directly to me, which would be very much appreciated.
0: As always, such a pleasure to hear your music and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. I can't wait.
1: Great. Thanks so much, Emily. It's always, it's always great talking to you.
0: Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about McLean-Deemer, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com level. Check out the video of my chat with McLean on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. Please do subscribe to get all of our new videos of interviews. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. Uh-huh. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily, and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media, Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.